Now, listen, they want me to say hello, welcome to the James Well best bits of tonight's show, which you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Today, what something very close to my heart has, has come out, that cancer patients, uh, the backlog of people who are diagnosed with cancer, uh, it's about 100,000, and it's a crisis that's just building and building and building. Never mind about COVID. This is a, uh, 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 a crisis that's going to build and build and build. Let's talk to Professor Pat Price, the chair of Action Radio Therapy. Professor, good evening to you. Good evening. Um, is there anything we can do about this? It seems to me to be a ridiculous situation. It is, and it's surprising the government aren't doing something about it. Like they've got a lot on their plate. They're doing other things. But it's as though cancer patients have rather been forgotten. It's all very upsetting to think about it, isn't it? And they're not doing anything. I think we just need to make a lot of noise on behalf of cancer patients um, in the media and in Parliament. Something's got to be done. It's getting worse each day. Well, that's what we're here to do, Professor, actually. I was diagnosed about six weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. for the second time. And uh, the, the first time was about uh, 20 years <laughs> ago. But, uh, you know, it's uh, one of those things. We all, have, uh, we all have problems in our lives. You just have to get on with it. Now, I'm with a, a hospital in London, um, an NHS hospital, and uh, they just they called me in a couple of days later. If you are apparently quite, quite seriously ill, um, they will do something as soon as they can. But it, the, the hospital itself needs to have the facility. Yeah, because there can be a delay in getting a scan, can't there, or a test which could be very worrying for a patient, like a month or two. Yeah. Yes, that's what we're finding, and that, that's what patients are telling us. It's um, appointments are cancelled, um, appointments you're cancelled, you're not given another one. We know screening is, has been stopped for six months. That hasn't restarted properly. There's about six or 700,000 scans around the country that haven't been done. Never mind the people who are still quite upset and worried about actually presenting even so it's Mm. all these patients that have got cancer and are either not in the system or haven't been diagnosed or are waiting in the system and cancer isn't as you know james cancer doesn't stop for anybody and the longer it goes on without treatment the Mm. less able we are to treat it we've and as you say what what can we do about it well i think we make a lot of noise we've set up as you know this change.org catch up with cancer campaign 300,000 signatures on that within about two months and if you look on there people can leave messages if people who haven't got cancer they feel so strongly about this and the people that have the stories are heartbreaking people who've been trying to get appointments and whose relatives have died before they even got in the system i think we've Mm. got to the government have got to give this priority why isn't it a priority these lives are just as important as covid lives all lives are important and we need as you imagine the amount of energy that went into sorting the covid out why can't yeah. we have the same amount of energy going into health and and the money to catch up because to catch up now we've got to be super going at probably about 135% of the the rate to catch up with all we know we need I was I was talking to a doctor. In fact, the hospital where I go, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm getting excellent treatment at Bart's Hospital in London. Um, it, it's, uh, there's nobody in there. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, 
<laughs> you know, you have I mean, to go through all kinds of security and masks and everything else. Luckily, the the, the doctor who's tr- treating me uh, is a bit of a tough nut, and he insists on uh, seeing his patients. And that's, that's I'm really pleased for you. This is great, and it, but as you say, anybody who's been into hospital now, it's empty. Mm. Um, and I think there's a great variation around the country. Some some hospitals have, and particularly cancer designated hospitals, they've obviously been able to keep going. And there's other places that are having a huge amount of difficulty. But we need to do something. It, it is not okay to just not do anything about it. Patients have a right and deserve this, and we've got mm. to we've got to shout out for cancer patients. Um, Professor, thank you very much indeed. Uh, um, we'll talk again, I'm sure. And if there's anything we can do for you, please, will you get in touch with Talk Radio? We will do. And good luck with your own treatment. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you. Professor Pat Price, Chair of the Action on Radiotherapy. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Um, this whole, whole fiasco in Parliament at the moment about uh, everybody getting their knickers in a twist about how dare we change the uh, withdrawal agreement. For goodness sake, the withdrawal agreement is not really getting us anywhere. Right, let's, uh, we've got two guests on this. Uh, first of all, let's talk to Christine Jardine, the Lib Dem MP for Edinburgh West. And Christine, always lovely to talk with you. you you're still really keen that we remain in Europe, aren't you? But we're out of Europe. I will always be a European at heart, James. I will always aspire to have the closest possible relationship with them. But I also recognise... Me too, that I love the Europe. I love do. Europe. Yeah. I, what we have I, to do I, now you know, is for... just build a good relationship with them. That's exactly. what we all want. Why yeah. won't they do it? Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, let's, rather than me do this, let me bring Alex Phillips in, uh, who is a Brexit Party MEP. Uh, Alex, this is Christine. Christine, this is Alex. Um, Christine, um, except we're leaving the European Union, but you don't want us to uh, change the withdrawal agreement. But the withdrawal agreement, if I'm right, Alex, is not workable. Well, it's dreadful, to be honest. Um, and oh, Boris, my God. It's dreadful. I, the, the problem is Boris himself called the package that Theresa May brought back vassalage. There are so many aspects of it which are just not going to say to Brexiteers appetite for sovereignty and democracy. And it doesn't really ascribe to anything that we expected from becoming a truly independent nation state. Um, and the, but this is not Boris himself put this into legislation. And Boris, yeah. you know, to hurry it through, pushed it through so he could win an election and is now wanting to tear it up, which is a bit dodgy. But, you know, we know that Boris is a bit dodgy. I don't like the fact that we are oh, essentially Boris. being disingenuous as, as a nation and um, that our governance has been so sort of fickle and flippant. But at the same time, I'm... I've always advocated for a clean break Brexit. And if I were to weigh up whether the annexation of Northern Ireland to a foreign administration uh, trumps the idea that we're going to break international law, which is something that the EU readily does on a regular basis to suit its own purposes, then I would say let's take it on the chin. And while we're at it, let's um... repudiate the entire withdrawal agreement bill. All right. okay, right. Let's get some uh, replies from Christine for that, Alex. Thank you. Christine. Well, first of all, this is not Theresa May's agreement. This is the agreement which Boris Johnson told us all was the oven ready deal. And we all warned him. We warned him at the time that there were problems with Northern Ireland, there were problems with the protocol, that this was dangerous for the United Kingdom. But no, 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 no. Boris said it was our best deal possible and persuaded not just Parliament, but then in a general election, 
the British people, it was in yeah. the manifesto as the way ahead. And now he wants to tear it up. And I don't think it's any excuse ever in life, in whatever field it is, to say, well, somebody else did it too. I mean, that's just, I was taught as a child that doing something wrong is no excuse if somebody else has done it. You're responsible for your actions. I agree. I agree entirely. I'm not responsible for what the European Union did or may not have done or whatever, but we will bear the consequences of what this Conservative government does. And that is what worries me. The consequences on the international stage and here at home, the damage that they are doing to the United Kingdom is scary. Well, damage that I would say is being exacerbated by people jumping up and down and saying, isn't it terrible what the United Kingdom is doing when there isn't the same sort of international outcry as to what the EU are doing? And it's all right to lose a stock in the washing machine. It's okay to absentmindedly lose a stock in the washing machine. To lose a constituent part of the United Kingdom as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom is insane. And so it might look bad, but my gosh, he's made a filthy bed and he's got to get out of it. Alex uh, and, and uh, Christine, thank you both very much indeed. Uh, yeah, what are well. we going to do about this? Thank you, guys. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Let's talk about the Battle of Britain. It's the 80th anniversary uh, today. And uh, 80 years ago, not that long mm. ago in history, really, when you think about it, mm. uh, men who would become known as the few took to the skies to defend Britain against the German uh, Air Force, the Luftwaffe. Uh, let's talk to Mike Yardley, historian, military historian. He serves as a former British Army officer. Mike, good afternoon. Why am I saying afternoon? I have no idea. Well, it is in certain uh, parts of the world. <laughs> Don't worry, James. Well, yeah. You were making yeah. me... You know, I was jealous good of your evening. ice creams. The, the, good evening, James. Mm. The best I could have mm. managed was a, a bottle of Corona beer. Um, but the, mm. um, the Battle of Britain, mm. yeah. My first girlfriend was one of the development pilots of the Hurricane. And I always remember him telling me as a teenager about how they changed the, the prop on it, to change the pitch of the prop to get some extra altitude. Now, this was an extraordinary battle because, as you've said, basically these were kids, young, young guys. You know, you see a film like The Battle of Britain and in a way it gives the wrong impression because it gives you, you know, you've got middle-aged actors or people that are getting on a bit and you've also got lots of dogfights in it. And I don't think really that's what that battle was like started first really with Hitler attacking shipping in the Channel. This is in July. And remember, Churchill has only just come to to become the Prime Minister. And we've also, of course, been defeated in France, the whole debacle of Dunkirk. And so this literal battle for Britain begins. And the Luftwaffe then moves its attention to British aviation installations. And then from the 13th of August, which is a date that some say it started, other people put it back into July, there were these massive Luftwaffe missions. You know, 1,500 sorties they flew, with, with us having about half that number. And I mean, I, I, live, I live in Kent, and I actually wonder what it must have been like where I live uh, with those planes, the German planes, coming over mm. night after night after night. Hundreds of them. Um, Hundreds of them. It must have been absolutely petrifying for people who live around Information. Well, I I used to go to Detling in Kent, which you probably know, James, and there was quite a lot of the leftovers of, you know, control rooms and that sort of stuff there. You could still see, you know, the writing from the war. And indeed, my mother was on the south coast 
during the war, and she and my grandmother were actually attacked by a German aircraft when they were cycling. Um, really? So, yes, they used to yeah, do that. They used really? to machine gun school children and stuff. It was... uh, well, yeah, why? I, I don't, uh, God knows. But yeah. the, uh, this was a bitter struggle. Mm, I mean, yeah. we, we had something like 900 fighters. The Germans had... 1,100. They had a lot more aircraft overall. They had 2,500. Um, we had about 1,900. Now, the Germans had advantages and disadvantages. Their advantage was flying over the channel. They could gain height. And their great tactic was to come, you know, come down upon us from a greater height mm. and just cause a carnage if they could in, a, in, in an RAF squadron. Um, they had great, much greater combat experience. Of course, it, you know, went back to the Spanish, um, the Spanish War, and indeed for some of the pilots, well before that. Um, but they couldn't hang about. They only had about ten minutes of fuel when they got to us. Mm. Now we had certain advantages. We had great aircraft. We had the um, Supermarine Spitfire, Mitchell's famous invention, which had mm. developed out of the Schneider Cup racing uh, um, racing planes. And, you know, you've probably seen the film, but if you ever see that seaplane, it's an extraordinarily beautiful thing. It just looks absolutely mm. right. And that, of course, was yeah. a, a yeah. metal-framed yeah. plane, whereas the Hurricane, which in battle proved to be a little bit hardier, was a wooden plane. Um, or the frame, um, you know, there's a lot more wooden. It, it did tend to catch fire uh, more than the Spitfire, but it was a little bit easier to fly, and it was easier to land because... If you look at the undercarriage, the, the wheels are actually spaced further apart. Um, so this is a battle, not so much the dogfights of our national mm. mythology. This is really a battle of very young men trying to survive, developing tactics very quickly. I mean, the tactics changed. I mean, of course, when it started, we didn't really know what we were doing. But we quickly learned the the Germans had the advantage, yeah. the Luftwaffe had the advantage of much greater um, combat experience. And when it was all over, the Germans had lost 1,500 aircraft, 1,000 casualties, um, and um, excuse me, 90, excuse me, the Germans had lost 1,900 aircraft with 4,000 casualties. We'd had 1,500 aircraft lost, 1,000 casualties, 500. Brits killed 300, um, 300 plus Germans, and I say Brits. Of course, there were lots of other people involved: Australians, New Zealanders, Poles, all sort of French. You know, there were an awful lot of other pilots, as well as our own pilots, who were taking part in this. It, what must have been an extraordinary adventure for them. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. That was uh, the clips for today. The worst of whale, or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.